from downtown Milwaukee, welcome to Money Talk with Bob Landis. Each week, professional advisors from Landis and Company Investments discuss the latest financial developments, offering timely insight and long-term perspective. This is Money Talk for Friday, February 23rd, 2024. Check in the calendar. It's Fred Usinger Day. Free brats at the Old German Beer Hall today until 8 p.m. The Bucks are missing out on the free brats because they're on the road and won't be back home until Tuesday night with Charlotte. The Auto Show revs up for a 10-day stay, and the Milwaukee Farmer's Market is this Saturday. Here's an original way to celebrate the Lunar New Year. I didn't say it was good, just original. <laughs> Starbucks in China has released braised pork latte. A pork latte. I celebrate New Year's with pickled herring, but I don't dunk that in my latte either. <laughs> While using the laser sight on her handgun, a Kenosha woman was playing catch the light with her cat when she accidentally shot her friend. Apparently cats do have nine lives. In near freezing winter temperatures and wearing nothing but a white loincloth, aging Japanese men wrestle for the title of Champion of the Naked Man Festival. After 1,000 years, and because of the aging of the population, this is the last time Japan will hold the event. And by the way, who buys tickets to see naked old men wrestle? And finally, a man who was carrying guns and drugs in his car was injured in a crash and was hospitalized, but then escaped out of a Virginia hospital with an IV still stuck in his arm. And then he stole an ambulance, still wearing his hospital gown. I hope the opening was in the back. <laughs> On the podcast today, we have Joel Dreesang, Tom Papenfus, and wrapping up the week, here's Kyle Tedding. Well, thanks, Max, our Florida listeners. Happy No Florida Stories in the news this week. Uh, also, probably happy about a pretty strong week for the markets. The NASDAQ up 1.4%, closing at 15,997. The S&P 500 up 83 points this week. Uh, that's 1.7%, closing at 5089. Touched 5,100 just briefly, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 504 points, up 1.3% on the week, closing at 39,132 after adding 62 points on Friday. For the year, the NASDAQ up 6.6, the S&P up 6.8, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 4. You know, Tom, the big story of the week, just as it was going back a few weeks now, uh, is earnings, and in particular this week it was NVIDIA. You can go back to... February 2nd and look at Facebook or Meta's earnings. We had a record day that day for pop in terms of market cap. Facebook added on that day, uh, you know, a pretty substantial amount of money um, and, you know, looking at about a $200 billion gain for, for Meta, which was a record at the time. Fast forward a couple of weeks and this week we saw NVIDIA in just a day add $250 billion to their market cap, becoming one of just a few Two trillion dollar companies. That's a mouthful there, but um, I think you know the the driving force behind strong gains this week. Nvidia's earnings report pretty positive. Yeah, I think that's uh, obviously to to us and anyone out there. That's uh, been the dominant story headline uh, of the past week. Um, just you know, it's kind of saving the best for last, I guess. You know, as we get towards the tail end of earnings season, I believe about ninety percent of companies have reported now. Um, but just remarkable. I mean, they already had a high bar to, to pass, and NVIDIA just absolutely crushed it. Um, at, a, at a time, too, I think it was interesting to note that it, it almost seemed as if 
the S&P 500 around this 5,000 mark was kind of losing steam. You know, a lot of talk about, well, how much or to what extent has this market rally from lows in October, and it's been about 25% rally since that point in time, you know, how much is on the backs of, um, you know, the expectations for rate cuts in March and that obviously going off the table. And you, you saw, started to finally see some, after, you know, several consecutive weeks of market growth, uh, a little bit of wavering and, and wondering if maybe we've gotten a little bit long in the tooth. Uh, and then NVIDIA says, here, hold my soda uh, and let me show you how, how this works. And, and sure enough, they, they, you know, I think they've restored some, some confidence back in uh, investors. And I think we've talked at length about the importance of, you know, these mega trends, right? This uh, transition towards a, a greater reliance on artificial intelligence, automation, robotics. You know, these are 10, 15, 20-year cycles that sometimes get blown out of proportion pretty early in the game. You can go back to the dot-com bubble and kind of look at, well, we overstated the importance of online shopping in some areas, Clearly, in hindsight, we understated it in others. You look at the Amazons of the world, the Apples of the world that survived that and have just absolutely taken off since. But I think this is a good reminder that there is some foundation to the current hype in artificial intelligence. And NVIDIA is showing, you know, three times better sales growth than expected. And, you know, really, a, I think a, a story overall that the market is supporting this idea that artificial intelligence is going to drive future growth. And so I think that's an important, maybe critical piece to understand is, yeah, we sometimes can overstate or we sometimes can get into bubbles. But at least in the case of NVIDIA, they're supporting uh, some of that, that uh, I think, pretty lofty expectation. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're just kind of scratching the surface. We re Nobody really knows what AI may be and really how to capitalize it and monetize off of it. I think what you're seeing initially here in this, you know, uh, this this trend and this boom in AI is just, uh, it's it's kind of the appeal of what we don't fully understand yet. Um, and so you're seeing that the hardware producers, the ones that can generate the computing power to create the AI, um, the whole nother next step to this and the evolution of it is, well, who can can monetize? Who can use it to become more productive on a on a per person basis? Um, so that that's really the next leg of this. Um, you know, I think aside from, you know, just this recent um, you know climb that's been really kind of driven by Nvidia, if you will, kind of re reigniting, giving the the five hour energy to markets here for maybe to continue this run, um, is that you know at the same time we we're, we're seeing market breadth widen. You know, I think it's interesting to note that not only is um, the S&P at all-time highs. Um, oh, I should, should, excuse me, uh, that uh, from a sector basis, that technology has hit new all-time highs, but industrials and healthcare, which are kind of kind of considered more defensive. Um, so it's a really important signal that, you know, when you see markets keep going higher, you wonder when it, when it may end, but that, that's, those are the signs that we need to see to, of a healthy market. Yeah, certainly encouraging. And even beyond our borders, we're seeing new highs in Japan with the Nikkei. We're seeing new highs in Europe with the stock 600. And of course, the, the challenge there is that those economies haven't been nearly as strong as ours. Japan in recession, Europe looking at probably recession as well. And yeah, they're modest recessions, all things considered. But when you add in you know, some energy crisis still because of the war in Ukraine. Uh, you add in just the, the overall weakness to uh, German manufacturing economy, which is such a big part of Europe. 
and you add in Japan's challenges and kind of their region more broadly because of China, it's, I think, pretty incredible that those indexes can kind of continue to set those highs even amidst some of that weakness. How do you reconcile that? Well, I think the, the real answer there is that these are great businesses in bad countries. Um, and I don't mean bad in terms of belief. I mean bad in terms of the economy just isn't as strong as it otherwise could be. And so when you look at big businesses in Europe in particular as a, a pretty good example, they're not exclusively German businesses or Swiss businesses or French businesses. They're businesses that do business around the world. Um, and the question is not, okay, how is the German consumer? The question is, how is the global economy overall? It has slowed, but if you're a business that positions your products appropriately, prices them well, has high-quality product, you're still seeing the demand there. You're still able to capture some pricing power. Um, and so I think that really is the key. And that's a, f a fair question, right, is why is there this distinction? Well, I think it's because even though it's a German domiciled manufacturer, it's not the German economy you worry about. It's is the global economy strong enough to support that spending. I think even I might add in just my own personal theory is just, you know, the market's always being forward looking. You know, we're looking, we're, we're right in the midst of economic slowing in, in the UK and uh, Japan, as you know, uh, but the market's looking ahead. And, you know, you know, what we were, you know, trying to achieve here is economic slowing. You know, that was, you know, what the market's looking for, rate cuts. Um, you know, wanting to see that as a signal that rates aren't going to go a whole lot higher because they, they're a little bit behind the curve from where we are in, in the fight against inflation. So, yeah, I think, you know, uh, their economies are looking for lower rates, or I should say their investors are looking for lower rates too as a function of what can drive, you know, stock prices higher. So maybe that's part of the mechanism of what, you know, um, investors are just being more optimistic down the road for what they see. Yeah, and I think you can look to the U.S. economy as something that's been more stable, and there is kind of a path forward for some of those other areas of the world. And, Joel, we had news on the leading economic indicators this week, something we look at um, as a way to say, all right, what's coming? Uh, and in particular, it had shown some signs of weakness, still some signs of weakness there, but maybe not quite as weak as it had been in prior months. Right, yeah. I mean, to some degree, I wonder, you know, how much it lost its credibility because um, I checked back and a year ago it was saying we're definitely going to have a recession in 2023. Um, and, and now they're sort of saying, you know, we're definitely not going to have a recession in 2024. <laughs> so you have to wonder. But, you know, they're, they're saying that the uh, the economy is still weak, but it's not as weak as it has been, that it's strengthening. Um, they still don't expect any growth in 2024. Um, and, you know, we know that it's an up and down thing and we're going to have a, a recession eventually. But for the first time in two years, so they have 10 indicators that they look at. And for the first time in two years, uh, more than half of those indicators had positive signs showing growth in the economy. So so that's a good thing. Yeah, I think that's a great thing, a sign that, you know, the the considerations we've been making over the last quarters, years of all right, well, when is the Fed finally going to cut? How far do they have to go when those cuts come? And why are they doing it? Well, I think it's a continued sign that the Fed can delay, that they can continue to win the war against inflation as they have been so far, um, and that the economy is strong enough to tolerate higher for longer. Um, and you're seeing the market capitulate to that as well. You're seeing investors start to push back those expectations of when the first rate cuts come, we had talked about six cuts as, as possible. 
market now really only sees three this year, three-quarter point cuts. And so I think that's really telling the story, you know, the same thing that the leading economic indicators say of, yeah, growth isn't great, but it's also not decline the way we had thought it might be. And how encouraging is that, that investors are not relying as much, not counting as much on those Fed cuts? And as Tom pointed out before, that they're looking more at earnings and they're looking at what companies are doing. A reminder, of course, that good news can be good news sometimes. And I think that's the trend we we had been in for so long was, well, if the economy was strong enough, we didn't need the cuts. Well, then the stock market was going to sell off. And I think investors finally came around to this idea that, no, actually, if the economy is strong enough, that's going to benefit all of us long term. Yeah, those cuts would be nice. But, you know, Tom, to your reference earlier on the five-hour energy, maybe it's just a short-term sugar rush, and then the crash is going to come anyway. Uh, And I'd much rather have the growth we're seeing in revenue, in sales, founded on actual economic growth and not just on some short-term manufactured growth. You know, I think the other thing this week was existing home sales on the economic front. Um, You know, it's been... Pretty ho-hum. Higher rates have certainly hurt the numbers, but some signs that both supply and demand are increasing. Yeah, that's one to watch. Um, the, the National Association of Realtors came out with their existing home sales, and that's the majority of, of home sales in the country. And uh, they went up on an annual basis from from December, but you know, we ended 2023 at the lowest number of home sales since 1995. So um, coming up isn't saying much, but it's a good sign. And, and the realtors say that, um, you know, some of those things you just mentioned that uh, slightly lower mortgage rates are going to help sales this year, that um, there seems to be a little bit more um, stock coming onto the market. So there's more inventory for, for buyers to choose from. Um, and that's going to help too. And of course, this is the time of year now as we get into spring, maybe a little early as the snow's falling outside our windows and we've been spoiled with a mild winter otherwise. But this is the time of year in which people are starting to think about listing. And so it's going to be a critical kind of juncture for the the existing home sales market in particular on what does 2024 look like? Because we do have to start to see some of that inventory grow and more people looking to move. So I think, you know, that'll definitely be an important one to watch going forward. A quiet week overall on the indicator front. I think it let investors focus a little more on the earnings news. And Tom, one of the things that's been clear on the earnings front is this expansion in profit margin. You know, we've had such a a strong earnings number relative to where we thought we were going to be. You know, you start the year, you're looking at fourth quarter earnings right before earnings releases come out. You're thinking, okay, maybe four and a half, five percent earnings growth year over year. Looks like we're on pace for about ten percent now. But it wasn't because sales were exceptional. It's because corporations have been able to continue to boost those profit margins. Yeah, I think the kind of the expectation right now from investors is just ultimately that, you know, revenue growth should should be slowing. But uh, yeah, as you alluded to, I mean, we've had the last two years of declining profit margins, you know, from uh, about 16, you know, uh, 16, 17 percent in 2021. Uh, all the way down to you know 16% uh, over the last couple of years, and now uh, projected at about 17% growth in the, in the coming year. Uh, you know, as we would expect, a lot of you know that uh, that margin compression that was due to uh, you know inflation. You know, um, and at the same time, um, 
you know, that the inflationary effects, while, you know, inflation has come down to 3%, um, we've also seen the, the producer's price index go down to about 1%. So that's basically what companies are, are paying for these materials. Um, and, you know, we've seen commodities prices, as, as we know here, uh, have come down as well. So, um, again, it's, you know, what I like about the nature of this rally here and its ability to keep going is that it's turning, it's evolving into being fundamentally driven, uh, which gives me co- more, greater confidence that, you know, there, as much as I like to think that there might be a pullback here at some point, uh, and there very well could be, but I, I think there's still room to run. Another aspect of this, I read an article in the New York Times this week that um, was looking at productivity and comparing now to 1994, and it made various comparisons, but one of them is what we were talking about with technology, with NVIDIA and, and uh, uh, with, with uh, online internet shopping, you know, all sorts of things that, and, and the productivity numbers, the numbers that we get on productivity from the government, are, uh, they vary so much, and it's sort of hard to, to read the tea leaves there. Um, and it takes time. All this takes time. But one of the things that they pointed out that's in common now that was in 1994 is that inflation was coming down, um, but that wages are still up. And uh, when companies want to keep paying their workers because they're afraid of losing them, and when they want to keep their profit margins up, and inflation is coming down, that gives them a harder time to to keep raising their prices. So what do they do? They try to figure out ways to be more productive. And those are things that help the economy and help the workers and help the shareholders and help the companies in the long run. And of course, the hard truth is that we just don't have as many workers ready to go as we used to. As the population gets older, it's just one of the realities of where we are. And so these businesses really had no choice but to become more productive, to make their workers more productive. Um, and I think the technology itself comes at a, an opportune time for that and that, well, okay, we need to be more productive. We need to find new ways to get the work done. Here we go. There's now this natural transition into, well, let's use a little more automation, a little more Robotics, as it as it happens to be something that fits in some areas, and then obviously as artificial intelligence steps in as a way to say, hey, we're going to do some more of the kind of the basic thinking here. Well, yeah, of course your workers are going to be able to be more productive. You can free them up to do some of the higher purpose things, some of the more value-add things. And so I think it's a natural kind of transition from an economy that has aged and, again, comes at a pretty good time. I think the the last piece I'll mention here is that you know, as as it relates to companies' ability to be profitable, well, for the better part of a year, we'd seen price taking from so many corporations, right? That, well, I'm going to get whatever price I can get, or I'm going to cut the size of that cereal box and charge the same thing just as a way to get those margins back up to where they were supposed to be. And we're finally seeing signs from some of these corporations that, hey, maybe our price-taking days are over. And so you're seeing more coupons and more sales at the grocery store. You're seeing companies like Costco come out and say, you know, we're just not seeing inflation at the same levels we used to. The frustrating thing for so many consumers is that when they see those numbers printed, right, the CPI number or the personal consumption expenditure index number, and they see inflation is still growing, just not as quick, you know, they immediately want to rush to the, well, inflation's coming down, but not for me. But I think when you look at what a lot of these uh, high-level CEOs of some of these discretionary consumer companies and just, you know, defensive goods more broadly are talking about, they're, they very much are saying, hey, 
that price stabilization is coming. And that stabilization does not mean inflation is gone. It means it slows down. And most importantly, it doesn't mean that prices go back down. It just means, hey, they're not going up as quick as they used to. And so, you know, for those that look at maybe the government reported numbers and go, well, I don't really trust that information because it's just being manipulated to reflect the story that wants to be told. I'd urge you to look at what a lot of businesses are talking about when it comes to inflation. You know, Tom, you pointed out the PPI number. They're being very clear that, well, our input costs aren't going up as quick as they used to. Eventually, that's going to make its way to the costs that are winding up in consumers' hands. Um, and if they see margins increasing because workers are more productive, well, you aren't going to have to see those same price increases to drive revenue growth anymore. And so I think all of this fits in nicely, both from an earnings perspective, but also from a what's it mean for the end consumer perspective. It means our days of 9% inflation probably behind us. And our days of, you know, the mid-teens inflation, you know, where we saw one, one and a half across much of 2010 to 2020, those are probably in the near future again, if only because when you become more productive, you just don't see prices increase as quickly as they used to. And as long as wages keep up, and as long as you, I mean, put your wealth in perspective, if, if you see that your portfolio is increasing and the value of your home is still higher, um, that, that gives some perspective on, on those higher living costs too. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. And I think that's been one of the keys to this cycle is inflation was painful and portfolios didn't immediately respond to those higher prices. In fact, they responded the wrong way going back to 2022, but they came back with a vengeance last year. They're rallying pretty strongly this year. And I think it's a good sign that if the economy can stay strong enough to support wage growth and full employment, that you don't worry so much about inflation at two and a half. If you know eventually or you assume eventually it gets back to, to two, um, because, again, you just are happy that the economy is stronger than we thought. With that, we enjoy doing the program for you. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Money Talk with Bob Landis. If you have a financial question you want answered on next week's show, email it to moneytalkatlandis.com. To keep informed throughout the week, visit our Money Talk page at landis.com. <laughs>